ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and I bear witness that Muhammad wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. Inshallah, let us begin by briefly reviewing the points which we covered in the previous lecture concerning the sharh or explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyyah by Al-Imam Abu Ja'far Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah. In the previous point, from point number 86, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah says, وَأَفْعَالُ الْعِبَادِ خَلْقُ اللَّهِ وَكَسْبٌ that the actions, the deeds of the people, they are actually from two perspectives. They are considered to be khalqullah, the creation of Allah, and at the same time they are also kasbun min al-ibad. They are created by Allah, while at the same time from the other side they are considered as the earnings of the people themselves, yani the result of their own hands. So that uh, here Al-Imam Tahawi is explaining a very important point related to uh, the general topic of Al-Qadr Al-Qadha. That the actions of the human beings, because they actually do them, their actions themselves, because they uh, have a will to choose what they want to do and they have ability from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to execute their will, then they are responsible for their actions and therefore is considered to be the kasb or the earnings of their own, uh, the result of their own hands. While from another perspective, everything that exists and everything that happens is creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah created us and He created what we do. From that perspective, we say that the actions of the human beings are the creation of Allah since Allah is the one who created the human being, created their will, created their power to execute their will, and so on. So this is an important point that we understand that there is not more than one creator, there is only one creator, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and even the evil actions of the human being, this falls under the general uh, title of that which is created by Allah. Good actions as well as bad actions, all of the actions of the human being, are part of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but that doesn't mean that the human being is excused for their actions because of the fact that they have a will to choose to do right or to wrong to do wrong and therefore they are responsible for whatever they do and we mentioned here uh, the verse in Surah Al-Safat chapter 37, 96 that Allah has created you and He also created whatever you do. And then we mentioned that there were two uh, opinions that were incorrect, both of them the opposite extremes, uh, the Jabariya who said that the human being has no will, that they are forced to do whatever they do by Allah's decree, and they have no option in the matter, which is wrong. The human being does have will. And the other extreme was the Mu'tazila or the Qadariya, who said that the human being has absolute freedom in their actions and Allah doesn't have any control over the uh, actions of the human being and Allah's will is not يعني, superseding the will of the human being such that uh, if the human being wants to do something Allah cannot stop him or, or her or any creature from doing whatever they do. Both of these are extremes and the correct opinion is that Allah's will is superior and that uh, the human being does have limited free will and due to that limited free will they are responsible for whatever they do.
The next point, Al Imam Tahawi says, point number 87. وَلَمْ يُكَلِّفْهُمُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى إِلَّا مَا يُطِيقُونَ That Allah, the Most High, has not required of the people more than they have the ability to do. وَلَا يُطِيقُونَ إِلَّا مَا كَلَّفَهُمْ وَعَلَيْكُمْ السَّلَامُ And they cannot, and the human beings, nor do they have the ability to do more than what He, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has charged them with or required of them. And we said that the first part of this statement is correct, that Allah does not require the human being to do any more uh, than they have the ability to do. In fact, Allah requires the human being to do less than they have the ability to do, out of His mercy uh, and His favor. As for the second part of the statement, that, uh, that the human being cannot do any more than what Allah has required of them, we said, no, this is not true. We are capable of doing much more than the requirements of the Sharia. The human being is obviously... Uh, yani, capable of doing more than uh, what Allah has required of us in every area in the salat, in the zakat, in siyam in every area the human being is capable of doing more and in fact uh, usually the believers do more than what Allah requires usually we give more than the minimum of 2.5% of charity because we, it's easy to give more than that and it's rewardable and we usually fast more than Ramadan we fast outside of Ramadan other days which are extra fasting and it's also rewardable and so on then he says Imam Tawi says that this is the meaning that this previous his previous statement is the tafsir or the explanation or the meaning of the expression that there's no power or strength except with Allah then he said uh, the meaning of this, we say about this statement, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. We say لا حيلة لأحد ولا حركة لأحد ولا تحول لأحد عن معصية الله إلا بعونة الله. This means that, يعني, no one can escape from disobedience to Allah سبحانه وتعالى from معصية. No one can escape from the disobedience to Allah except by help from Allah. يعني there is no way uh, that anyone uh, can escape from this unless Allah helps us out of His mercy and gives us the success to escape from it. And the second part, this is the meaning of la hawla wa la quwata, it means uh, that no one has any power or ability. Wala quwata li ahadin ala iqamati ta'atillah wa sabat alayha illa bitawfiqillah. Yani that no one has the power or strength or the ability to fulfill or to uh, perform the acts of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to remain firm on the path of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by tawfiq or success or help that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this, the meaning of this in general is that the avoidance of sinful acts and the fulfillment of acts of obedience all of this is by help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we don't have any ability in and of ourselves to do so except that Allah helps us and gives us the success in doing so uh, the next point Imam Tahawi says and this here he is going directly into the subject of Al-Qadha Al-Qadha the divine decree and point number 88 he says وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ يَجْرِي بِمَشِيَةِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَعِلْمِهِ وَقَضَائِهِ وَقَضْرِهِ And that everything that happens in the universe, everything that takes place is in accordance with the will of Allah, the Most High and is in accordance with His previous knowledge. Yani Allah had knowledge of everything before it happens and it's also in accordance with the qadha and the qadr of Allah that is what Allah has decreed and what Allah executes of His decree. Everything is in accordance with that and nothing is outside of that. Then he says, غَلَبَتْ مَشِيَاتُهُ الْمَشِيَاتِ that the will of Allah has overcome and superseded the will of every other thing, every creature, every being in His universe. Allah's will is superior. وَغَلَبَ قَضَاءُهُ الْحِيَلَ كُلَّهَا And so also the qada of Allah also overcomes and supersedes any stratagem or trick or attempt to escape from what Allah has decreed. There is no way to escape it. It will definitely overcome us. يَفْعَلُ مَا وَهُوَ غَيْرُ Abadan. Allah is the one who does whatever He wills and He is never an oppressor or wrongdoer or does injustice ever. And He closes with the statement from Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 
لا يُسْأَلُ عَمَّا يَفْعَلُ وَهُمْ يُسْأَلُونَ That is that Allah is not questioned about whatever He does, but the creatures, the human beings and otherwise, they are to be questioned about uh, what they do. Yani we will be questioned on Yom about our actions. As for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is not questioned. And the reason why He is not questioned is not because He has so much power and the people fear to question Him. But it is because Allah has knowledge of everything and whatever He does is according to wisdom and it's perfect justice. Allah doesn't do injustice, so there's no reason uh, why He should be questioned when whatever He does is based on hikmah, wisdom, and it is definitely adl or justice. <coughs> and the last point that we mentioned last week, point number 89, saying of Imam Tahawi, rahimahullah, وَفِي دُعَاءَ الْأَحْيَا وَصَدَقَاتِهِمْ مَنْفَعَةٌ لِلْأَمْوَاتِ يعني that in the supplications uh, of the living and the charity that is given by the living there is some benefit for the dead and we discussed this in some detail uh, and we said that there is definitely proofs for the fact that when anyone of the living supplicate for the dead it benefits them Allah answers the supplications of those and who believe in him and especially the supplication of a righteous child as mentioned in the hadith that's reported in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet wasallam said that the deeds of a human being is cut off at the time of their death except from three and one of them is the dua of a righteous child or waladun salih or a righteous child who supplicates for his parents as for the issue of the sadaqah of the living benefiting the dead we discussed this point in detail and we said that there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars of Ahl Sunnah concerning this and the strongest and most correct opinion is that, this, is that the, the sadaqah or the charity of a child definitely benefits their parents because the children are of the kasb or the earnings of the parents yani the children come from their parents and the Prophet said that the best of what a person eats from is the, what they have earned with their own hands and from their earnings are their children so your children and whatever they do of good goes to your credit also so this, this, is, this is a proof that, that the charity of a, of a child go, uh, is, credit, is, is credited to their parents if they give charity on behalf of their parents then certainly it benefits their parents as for the charity of others being given on behalf, behalf of others than their relatives there's no clear, authentic hadith to support this opinion although some of the scholars held this opinion based on general hadith that charity benefits can benefit the dead but those hadith specifically mention in every case that the, char- the charity which was given there was the charity of the children or relatives of the dead and not just in general open to everyone and this issue as we said is a big issue whether the deeds that are done by the living can benefit the dead can someone for example uh, make salat and say I, I want to give the credit for this worship to, to uh, a dead person yani somebody who they loved or someone who is dear to them uh, or, and so on with other acts of worship is it yani, acceptable and correct that a person can do so and the most correct opinion is that uh, what really benefits the dead and the best thing that can benefit the dead is what the Prophet wasallam encouraged and that is the supplication of a righteous child for their parents. This is what he suggested and this is what he uh, encouraged uh, should be done and this is what we are sure about. And as for other things, uh, we don't know that the Prophet ﷺ nor his companions used to perform acts of worship for the dead uh, except in those cases that are specifically mentioned like the supplication and the living can supplicate for the dead and children can give charity to, to their parents and a person may make hajj for example on behalf of their relative, parent or otherwise who died without having the ability to perform Hajj as for those who willingly neglected the performance of the obligatory duties while they had the ability to do so then how can it benefit them when they were required in their lifetime and when they were able to fulfill these obligations which Allah placed on everyone and they neglected to do it how can somebody come after them and do it for them and Allah knows best uh, tonight we start with point number 90 the saying of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi yeah uh, there's no more uh, can the sisters 
please send us an extra handout or two if you have any remaining. Uh, point number 90 where Alim Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says Wallahu ta'ala yastajibu ad-da'awat And Allah the Most High answers the da'awat, the supplications of those who call on Him وَيَقْضِي الْحَاجَاتِ And Allah fulfills the hajat or the need, the needs of His creatures when they are in need and they ask Him to fulfill their needs the Shaykh uh, Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman Al-Khumis Hafizullah says concerning this that Allah answers the supplications as he subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ghafir chapter 40 verse 60 and your Lord has said supplicate to me call on me ud'uni أستجب لكم and I will answer you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, orders us to supplicate to him and then he uh, guarantees us that he will answer and this is interesting since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is without need of anyone Allah is free of need and totally independent yet he promised us that if we call on him he would answer us then how much more so does he have the right over us that when he calls on us that we should answer him if Allah asks us to do something he orders us to pray five times a day and fast in Ramadan and perform Hajj once in a lifetime to be truthful and honest and just in our dealings and affairs these things that he asks of us how can we not respond to him when we are in total need of him while he responds to us and he is without uh, need free and independent of his creatures Allah is the one who fulfills the needs of His creatures, all of them. Whether it is uh, giving them some benefit or removing from them some harm. Since He is the only one who has power and control over everything. There's some handouts if we still need. Imam Tahawi from here goes on to say, the next point, <coughs> point number 91, concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَيَمْلِكُ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ That Allah possesses and controls everything in the universe. وَلَا يَمْلِكُهُ شَيْءٌ While nothing that exists has any power or control over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani Allah has control over everything and nothing has control over him. وَلَا غِنَى عَنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى طَرْفَةَ عَيْنٍ And there is no independence or being without need of Allah, the Most High, even for the blinking or winking of an eye. Yani even for a moment or a second. It is not possible that anyone, that any creature can be free of need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even for a second. وَمَنْ إِسْتَغْنَى عَنِ اللَّهِ طَرْفَةَ عَيْنٍ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ وَصَارَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْحَيْنِ Then Imam Tahawi says, and whoever يعني, feels or believes or considers themselves to be free of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or independent or without need of Allah even for a moment, even for the blinking of an eye فَقَدْ كَفَرَ Then that person has disbelieved, they have entered into kufr to believe or to consider or to think theirself to be without need of Allah even for a moment وَصَارَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْحَيْنِ and they have become uh, one of the people of ruin and destruction here uh, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khamis says that Allah is the one who owns and possesses everything in the creation and no one can do anything in his creation except with permission from him yani everything requires permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing can happen except he wills it and allows it and it is not possible that anyone could be free of need or independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even for a moment for everything in the creation is in absolute and total need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their creation yani that they can, no one can create their self and for their coming into being and their sustenance and the 
controlling of their affairs, everyone is in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every way for their guidance and direction, they are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Fatir, chapter 35, verse 15, and he addresses the whole of humanity, not just the believers, but he addressed the whole of humanity, Ya Yuhannas, all people, all mankind, Antumul Fuqara. That all of you are the fuqara, the faqir, the one who is in need. Antumul Fuqara ilallah, all of you are in need of Allah. Wallahu huwa al-ghani al-hamid. While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is al-ghani, the one who is rich and without need of anything or anyone. Al-hamid, the one who is worthy of praise. Uh, so that any creature of the creatures of Allah that think even for a moment that they are able to be free of Allah, free of need of Allah, independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is an act of disbelief. That person has entered into kufr and they have become one of the people of ruin or destruction or the people of the hellfire. Just a brief note here concerning the point of Al-Imam Tahawi that no one can be without need of Allah, uh, but that everyone is in need of Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, Allah is not in need of anyone. And this is mentioned, as we already said, in Surah Al-Fatiha, chapter 35, 15. And it is also mentioned in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 174, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Wallahu dhu fadlin azim. And Allah is the owner of great bounty. Yani Allah is the one who uh, has the best of possessions and the ownership of everything. And we are in need of what Allah possesses. And further on in, in Surah Al-Imran chapter 3 verse 180, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, وَلِلَّهِ مِرَاثِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ that the miraf or the heritage or the ownership of whatever is in the heavens and the earth it belongs to Allah and Allah is well aware of whatever you do and there are so many verses in the Quran similar to this and also from amongst those uh, the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are related to this besides Al-Ghani is Al-Qayyum which is mentioned in the Quran in more than one place in one of those places in Surah Al-Baqarah the Ayatul Kursi, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa, al-hayyu al-qayyum. And al-qayyum, it means uh, that this word, this name, al-qayyum, <coughs> it includes all of the characteristics of Allah's actions are included in the name al-qayyum because al-qayyum is the one who is self-subsistent, self-sufficient independent and without need of anyone while everything in the creation is uh, dependent on him that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah brings them into existence and allows them to continue to exist and fulfills all of their needs and also of the names of Allah that are relevant to this is the name of Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Ikhlas Qul huwa Allahu Ahad Allahu Samad As-Samad uh, is also one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala its meaning is the one that all creatures turn to for their needs the people or the creatures of the heavens and the people of, and the creatures of the earth are in absolute and total need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as summit and they ask him for their needs and they turn to him in every important matter and this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the perfect characteristics uh, the, or his characteristics are all perfect and good such as Al-Alim which, is, which means that he has perfect knowledge Al-Rahim which means that his Rahmah covers everything and so on so these are some of the names of Allah that are applicable to this point uh, which show the need of the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while Allah is not in need of anyone or anything and here, Imam Tahawi mentions in point number 92, in brief, he points to a very important principle of Tawheed, the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, the names and characteristics or qualities of Allah, and the rule concerning them in his saying, 
Wallahu yaghdabu wa yarda That Allah becomes angry and Allah is pleased. Yani Allah is angry when with the actions of His creatures when they disobey Him or do wrong. And Allah is pleased with the actions of His creatures when they obey Him and do good. Wallahu yaghdabu wa yarda Allah becomes angry and pleased. Laka ahadin min al But not like the anger and the pleasure of any one of his creatures. Yani this is an important principle in the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat that we affirm for Allah those things which he has affirmed for himself. In fact, Allah does uh, become pleased and Allah becomes angry. And so many other characteristics that Allah described about himself in the Quran or it came to us through the Prophet وسلم, in the authentic Sunnah. And whatever Allah has affirmed for himself, we affirm it. As Imam Tahawi says here, he affirms Allah becoming angry and Allah being pleased. Because this has been confirmed by Allah Himself. And it has been confirmed by the Prophet ﷺ. But at the same time, while we confirm these characteristics for Allah, we also negate any comparison between similar characteristics for the creatures. And the human beings also become angry and they are pleased. But the anger of human beings is not like the anger of Allah. Allah's anger is not to be compared to the anger of human beings or other creatures. And so also His being pleased and so on. Uh, here, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumais says concerning this point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes angry when those things which He prohibited are violated. When those things which Allah made forbidden, haram, when they are violated, Allah is angry with this. And Allah is pleased when the people do those things that are pleasing to Him and they fulfill His commands. The anger of Allah and the pleasure of Allah Asifatan thabitatan. They are two confirmed sifa, two confirmed characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He says in Surah An Nisa, chapter 4, verse 93, Allah became angry with him. Allah became angry. This is the saying, this is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said that He became angry. And also in Surah Al Fatih, Chapter 48, verse 18, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, That definitely Allah was pleased with the believers. So Allah, in fact, He in His own words mentions His anger and His pleasure, being angry with those who disobey, disobey Him and being pleased with those who believe in Him and who obey His commands. These two characteristics, they should be understood in a way that is suitable and fitting and appropriate for the glory and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These characteristics and any other characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be understood in a way that's suitable and fitting to Him as the Creator and not in a way that's suitable for the creatures, the human beings or other creatures which are imperfect. Uh, so we shouldn't try to explain the how. How is Allah's anger? How is Allah's pleasure? How is Allah's descending in the last third of the night? How is Allah's ascension above His throne? Allah affirms these things for Himself, but the how of them, since it is in a way, in a divine way, that's suitable to the divinity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the human being cannot comprehend the how of it. But we know what is the meaning of anger and pleasure, and we confirm this for Allah. We don't compare it to the creatures, so we don't make takyif to explain how, nor do we make tashbih to make comparison between any of the characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His creatures. So we say that these characteristics in general and specifically as Al-Imam Ta'awi mentions here, anger and pleasure are two characteristics confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they are not like the characteristics of His creatures in any way whatsoever. And this is proven by many uh, verses of Quran and hadith of the Prophet sallallahu the most clear of them is the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Shura chapter 42 verse 11 لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ that nothing is like him nothing is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that means in his anger, in his pleasure, in his ascending, descending in Allah having a face, Allah having hands whatever actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his seeing, his hearing, having knowledge, whatever there is nothing like Allah in any way. There is no comparison between Allah and His creatures, nor between the creatures and Allah 
subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here there is negation of any comparison, tashbih, between Allah and the creatures. And the end of the verse, وَهُوَ السَّمِيُّ الْبَصِيرُ is affirmation that Allah in fact does have these qualities. And in this ayah, He confirms hearing and seeing. And the human beings and other creatures hear and see. But the hearing and seeing of the creatures is not like the hearing and seeing of Allah. While we confirm for Allah these characteristics, but we say, we don't explain how, we don't make comparison, but we say it is in a way that is fitting and suitable to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him and forgive him his sins and bless him uh, with the best of rewards for his efforts for the establishment of the deen and the sunnah and the correct aqidah. He said in his commentary concerning this point, that this statement of Imam Tahawi is a refutation of the muta'awwila and the mu'attila those who make ta'wil who re-explain the names of Allah or the characteristics of Allah yani, instead of affirming that Allah has hands they say hands means power instead of, say, instead of affirming that Allah has, is pleased or Allah has pleasure with something they say, when Allah he say He is pleased with something, it means He is going to reward His creatures in the next life. And if these explanations, this ta'wil, or re-explaining something that's very clear, is unacceptable. And this statement of Imam al-Tahawi is a refutation of them, because here Imam al-Tahawi says very clearly, he confirms that Allah becomes angry and Allah is pleased, and at the same time he negates that there is any comparison between the creatures, and therefore there is no need to make re-explanation. Yani they try to explain these things by making ta'wil in order, in order that, that we will not be able to say that Allah is like human beings because human beings are pleased and Allah is pleased so they said no it doesn't mean that it means something else that Allah will reward the human beings on Yom Qiyamah because nobody else can reward people on Yom Qiyamah so they said this is the real meaning of it in reference to Allah but we said no there's no need to re-explain it it's sufficient to affirm it and to say that it's not like the characteristics of the human beings. So here, the muta'awwila try to re-explain. And the mu'attila do what is called ta'atil. That is, they affirm the expression while emptying it of any meaning. For example, they say that Allah is al-alim, which means the all-knowing. But they don't affirm that Allah has ilm, knowledge. They just affirm the word, the expression, without any meaning. Because they said, human beings have knowledge, so Allah cannot be like human beings. So they emptied the expressions of Allah from any meaning. And both of these, re-explaining it or emptying of meaning, both are wrong. Uh, he says that this is a refutation of the, of the muta'awwila, those who re-explain, and the mu'attila, who negate or empty the meaning from the names of Allah and the characteristics of Allah, from amongst the ash'ira, or the ash'ariya. That is, those people who claimed to follow the great Imam Abu al-Hasan al-Ash'ari. And these people uh, continued to follow the minhaj of Imam Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari uh, in the reinterpretation uh, and distorted meanings of the sifat or the characteristics of Allah. While Imam Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari himself uh, discontinued to believe in this manner and corrected his belief and began to follow the minhaj of the uh, people of Sunnah, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So these people claimed to follow him, but in fact he, he was not on that minhaj any longer. The meaning of ghadab or anger and rida, pleasure, it means that uh, Allah, pleasure, it means that Allah intends to do good to his creatures. Then he says that if only these people had, uh, if only they had followed the same yani, minhaj or methodology or taking the same position that they took on some of the sifat of Allah, uh, some of them they accepted. They said uh, that some of the, the uh, ashaira, they said that some of the Sifat of Allah are confirmed because they can confirm them by their intellect, by reasoning. 
But those which they cannot confirm by intellect, then they rejected them. And here the Shaykh says, if only they had uh, affirmed all of the characteristics of Allah as they affirmed some of them, then this would have been, they would have been safer in the position that they had taken. Because those characteristics which they affirm are also characteristics that the human being is described by. So just as they didn't compare those which they accepted with the similar characteristics of the human being, then so also the rest of the characteristics of Allah, they could have affirmed them without making any comparison between the characteristics of human beings. Uh, then he closes by saying that every one of the characteristics of Allah, they are real, and the characteristics of the human beings are real, and the characteristics of each of them are suitable and appropriate for the one that they describe. Yeah, and the characteristics of the human beings are suitable and appropriate for human, for creatures, while the characteristics of Allah are suitable and appropriate for the Creator. The next point, Imam Tahawi uh, mentions point number 93, turning to another discussion altogether related to the companions of the Prophet and the position that the Muslims should have concerning them. In point number 93, Imam Tahawi says, وَنُحِبُّ أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم ولا نفرط أو نفرط في حب أحد منهم. He said that we, the أهل السنة والجماعة, we love the companions of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم. However, we are not excessive. لا نفرط أو نفرط in our love for any particular one of them. To the extent that we view them as being infallible or divine. We don't go to the extreme in our love for them. We love them as they should be loved, in the way that's appropriate. And we don't go to the extreme in our love to the extent that we declare any one of them to be divine or to be infallible or any such other, any status that is not the status of the companions of the Prophet or anyone else from amongst the human beings. While on the other hand, he says, وَلَا نَتَبَرَّعُ مِنْ أَحَدٍ مِنْهُمْ And likewise, we do not reject or disown any one of them. يعني, we don't go to the extreme in our love for any one of them, nor do we reject or disown any one of the companions of the Prophet since the companions of the Messenger of Allah were the best of this Ummah, as confirmed by the Qur'an and authentic Sunnah of the Prophet then our position towards them is that we love and respect them and we don't reject uh, or disown or disrespect any one of them. Then he says, And we hate those who hate them. And who mention them or talk about the companions of the Prophet without respect. Who, who talk about them in a disrespectful manner or in a bad way. As for us, he says, وَلَا نَذْكُرُهُمْ إِلَّا بِخَيْرٍ And we do not say anything about them. We don't speak about them or mention the companions of the Prophet ﷺ except with, in a way that is good, holding them in the highest respect and only saying good things about them. وَحُبُّهُمْ دِينٌ وَإِيمَانٌ وَإِحْسَانٌ and love, hub, love of the companions of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is a manifestation or an indication of the correctness of one's deen, of one's Islam. Yani love of the companions is a clear sign that one's Islam is correct. And also it is a clear sign of iman, faith, and ihsan, excellence of deeds. While the opposite of that Bughduhum or hatred of them is a clear sign or indication of kufr wal nifaq wa tughyan. Yani whoever hates the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bughd of the companions or hatred of them 
is a indication, a manifestation of kufr, disbelief, and hypocrisy, nifaq, and tughiyan, transgressing or going beyond the bounds. This discussion of the position of the Muslims, the true believers, in relation to the companions and messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a lengthy discussion and we will only discuss it briefly here but those who want to take more details about this we discuss it in more detail in the explanation of the essay of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah the essay entitled Usul al-Sunnah the foundations or fundamentals of the Sunnah in those lectures we discussed in more detail the uh, position of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at concerning the companions, uh, the statements of the Imams and the scholars of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at, and the evidences from the Quran and from the Sunnah which indicate the status and high position of respect that we should hold for the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa radiallahu anhum. Anyway, in brief, we will say here, as uh, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman Khumis, Hafizullah says, that we love the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam just as uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam loved them and since he loved them then we also love them and we do not go to the extreme in our love for any one of them as those people who deviated went to the extreme the Rawafid or the Rafidah Shia they went to the extreme in their claimed love of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu and they raised him up to a position or a status above his position and above his status until some of them, the most extremists of them, raised him up to the status of divinity and they said that he was a god, yani that he was Allah. This extremism and excessiveness in love, even for the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu is unacceptable. But we should love them as did the Messenger of Allah sallallahu Nor do we reject or disown any one of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu for they were the most perfect and the best of this ummah in iman and in ihsan, in faith and in doing good deeds. And they were the greatest of them in obedience to Allah and in making jihad in the way of Allah and in all other actions of obedience and good deeds that Allah called upon in the Qur'an or that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged in his sunnah. We hate those who hate them because this is, hatred of them is a sign of hypocrisy and going beyond the bounds. Uh, and we also hate those who speak evil or say bad things about the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we do not speak about them except by mentioning good of them for verily the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he loved them and he also commanded us to love them love of them is a sign or a manifestation of the correctness of one's deen it is a sign of faith, iman and ihsan and hatred of them is a sign of kufr hypocrisy and going beyond the bounds and we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from going astray after we have been guided. Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah comments briefly concerning the two points of going beyond the bounds or excessiveness in love or hatred and he said that we do not go beyond the bounds in our love for any one of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and claim for them infallibility. We don't claim that any of them are infallible. They are the best of the ummah, they are the best of this ummah, uh, the first generation, the companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, but they are not infallible. This extremism and excessiveness, he says, was what happened to the Shia in reference to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, and even they went to the extreme and they uh, committed excess in their love of their imams, the twelve imams, who they also claim to be infallible and raise them to the status of divinity to the extent that Khomeini said that the Imams, the twelve infallible Imams that they have knowledge of the unseen and that they control the atoms of the universe and that they don't die except when they will to 
if this is not divinity, these are the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the only one who controls the universe. Allah is the only one who knows the unseen. And Allah is the only one that lives forever, that does not die. Uh, and also, he said, we don't go to the extreme, as did the Raqida Shia, in disassociating and disowning and rejecting any one of the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as they rejected and disowned Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma, the best of the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the first Khalifa and second Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhum. The Shia. They went to the extreme in the love of Ali and the Imams and they also went to the extreme in hatred of the companions and especially the hatred of the Shaykhain that is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhum and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhum and they rejected them and disowned them and they said uh, very very terrible things about them and even said that they and other of the companions of the Prophet or the majority of them except a few that after the death of the Prophet that they actually apostated from Islam uh, but actually the position Shaykh al-Bani says the position of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is that we love and respect all of the companions of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in the way that is just and right as Allah commands us to and as the Prophet وسلم, directed us and guided us to giving them their full rights with justice not going to the extreme in our love uh, and, and not going beyond the bounds in having any uh, feeling uh, of disrespect or lack of love for the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam How much time do we have before the Adhan? Okay, let us stop here And now let us stop here and look at the questions uh, because I think is that the last point on your sheet? okay then we will stop here because uh, and if there are any questions also if there are any questions from uh, from the brothers or sisters or any comments or corrections then I think we have a few moments before the adhan let us just look at the questions with the handout the first of them can anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answer our supplications and fulfill our needs for sure no one can answer our supplications and no one can fulfill our needs except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yet even though this may be something very clear to us but we find that even amongst the Muslim ummah there are those who go to graves and they supplicate to the dead and they supplicate to saints uh, asking them for their needs for giving them the ability to have children or success in examinations or a better job or whatever but we know for sure uh, that we do not supplicate to anyone and no one can answer our supplications and no one can fulfill our needs except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is the ruling concerning someone who believes that he is not in need of Allah the one who believes that he is not in need of Allah even for one moment the ruling is this is this person entered into disbelief because for sure everyone is in total need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the two sifat or characteristics of al-ghadab anger and al-rida pleasure are they confirmed as characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are confirmed in the Quran as we mentioned and there are also hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which confirms such. These are true characteristics which we affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we also negate that there is any similarity between these characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the characteristics of the human being of anger or pleasure or any other characteristics in general. Can we say that Allah's ghadab, anger, is in some ways similar to the anger of human beings? No, it is in no way similar, nor any of its other characteristics similar to the characteristics of the human being, because there is nothing similar or like Allah, as mentioned in Surah Al-Shura, and also in Surah Al-Ikhlas. And there is no, no one or nothing that is similar or equal or like Him. 
number five, what is required of the, belie- of the believers concerning the rights of the companions anhum, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? What is required of the believers concerning the rights of the companions? Meaning, how do we feel about them and how do we speak about them? And, uh, naam. We should only speak about them with respect and only say things good about them and don't mention uh, anything that would be seen in a bad light especially those incidents that took place in the time uh, after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ and there was some disagreement uh, between some of the companions and others then these things should be left to the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's not for us to judge that one was right and one was wrong and one is better than the other and this one is evil or bad but we don't say anything about them except that which is good we respect them and we love them as they should be loved since Allah loved them and the Prophet ﷺ loved them. Give an example of excessiveness in love of a particular companion. Naam. The, the clearest example of excessiveness in love is the example of the Rafida or the Shia and their claimed love of Ali radiallahu anhu. They go to the extreme uh, beyond the bounds and raise him to the position of divinity or infallibility. Number seven, name two of the righteous companions of the Prophet ﷺ who were rejected and disowned by those who deviated from the straight path. And those, naam, two of them who were rejected, the most yani, well-known amongst them who were rejected by the Rafidah is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu May Allah be pleased with him and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu May Allah be pleased with him While they rejected many of the companions of the Prophet Not only them But those two were the greatest of the companions And the foremost of the companions And still in spite of that They hated them and they rejected them And disowned them And the last question A person's hub or love Or bugh, hatred Of any one of the companions Of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu alayhi wa Is a clear indication of what? Hub of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ is an indication of what? It's, a, it's an indication of the correctness of one's deen, of one's Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. And bugh or hatred of the companions, or some of them, or even one of them, who is confirmed to be a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, hatred of any one of them is an indication of kufr and nifaq and tughiyan, transgression, going beyond the bounds. So, yani, this is yani, the extent of what we wanted to cover today. Uh, and if there are any comments or any questions from the brothers or from the sisters before the event, inshallah, perhaps there's still a few moments remain. Their intention in spreading such things and circulating these incidents, their intention is to create doubt, at least doubt about the high status of the companions of the Prophet And if they can do more than that and even cause a person to feel hatred or enmity towards one of the companions or another, then they have really achieved their goal. They hope that by spreading these stories that you will take sides and you will love one and hate the other. When the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah love all of the companions of the Prophet and respect all of them and if there was any difference between them, if there was any disagreement between them, Allah is the judge of that. Allah confirmed that He is pleased with them and that they are pleased with Him. If Allah is pleased with them, do we have the right to be other than pleased with them? We are pleased with whoever Allah is pleased with. Part of Iman is loving for the sake of Allah and hating for the sake of Allah. 
We love whoever Allah loves and we hate who Allah hates. And we love whatever Allah loves of actions and speech. And we hate whatever actions and speech is hated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a sign of Iman that a person loves for the sake of Allah. Any other naam? The what? Yeah, the Shia. It was started by a person from amongst the Jews of Yemen, Abdul ibn Sabah. And he started this idea in the time of Ali, عنه, when he was the Khalifa of the Muslims. This was in the early time of Islam, after the death of the Prophet only by a few years. And he started to spread stories and tales and ideas about the divinity of Ali and his greatness and his superiority over the other companions and that he had more right to the Khilafah than Abu Bakr and Umar and that they stole it from him, they cheated and deceived the people and took the rulership they only wanted uh, to have material uh, wealth and power and uh, that Ali was, then, was done an injustice in, in this way and he started to spread these ideas and to deceive many of the Muslims because for sure to, uh, to show, to bring forth the good qualities of Ali anhu was easy because he was a great companion of the Prophet he was one of the first to believe in him one of the first Muslims he was the relative of the Prophet ﷺ, his cousin. He was raised in the household of the Prophet ﷺ from a small boy. He was married to the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. Yeah, and he, all of these are so many reasons and the virtues of Ali are so many that it was easy for him to convince the people of the greatness of Ali while trying to diminish the greatness of those who were superior to him by agreement of companions in the time of Sahaba they said that we used to count Abu Bakr anhu as the best of this ummah after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu then Umar, then Uthman, then Ali they said this in time of companions they understood and they believed as it was indicated by the Prophet sallallahu in, in numerous hadith the superiority of Abu Bakr anhu and then the next in line came Umar and then Uthman and then Ali and Ali radiallahu anhu also accepted this and knew of the superiority of those who were the Khalifa before him and the superiority of Sahaba of these four, the Khulafa al-Rashidin is in the order of their Khilafa the first of them in Khilafa was the best of them that is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and the second of them in Khilafa was Umar and he is the second best of them and so on then come the ten people who are promised paradise and the people, yani the, the Muhajireen, those people who made Hijra from Mecca and left their families and properties there, and the people who fought in Badr, the Battle of Badr, and so on. As was mentioned by Imam Ahmed in uh, his essay, Usul Sunnah, and we discussed it in detail in those lectures previously. So it started early on in the time of the Khilafah of Ali. Radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu fought against them and killed them, those who he captured and even killed some of them by fire by burning them for their claim and false belief that he was divine or that he was infallible Now, they were Muslims who deviated from Islam who went astray who abandoned the Qur'an and Sunnah and began to falsify the beliefs and falsify the Islamic religion and they made a new religion their own religion which is outside of Islam how they can be Muslims? If they believe that they are not Muslims, whoever believes that he is a prophet, they believe that he is God. <laughs> this is disbelief. This, whoever believes such, this is disbelief. Whoever believes that uh, anyone, any human being can be divine, this is kufr. Just as the kufr of the Christians and Jews who said that Isa, Jesus, that he is divine. 
or who said that Uzair, that he is divine, that he is a god or son of God, whoever said such, this is kufr, just as the disbelief of the Christians and Jews and whoever else believed in any created being, being divine or being a god besides Allah. It is kufr. But of course, to be fair, we should say here that the sex and the denominations of the Shia are many. And some of them are further away from the Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah and some are closer. Some are absolutely out of Islam without a question, have nothing to do with Islam. And some of them are closer. So we don't say that every person from amongst them, the ruling concerning them is the same. No, it is different. But whoever believes anything that is kufr, then this is the ruling concerning them. If they believed, as did some of the early generations from amongst the Muslims, not that Ali radiallahu anhu, not that he is divine or infallible, but if they believed that he was superior to Abu Bakr or Umar, if they believe that, that he is more virtuous than Abu Bakr or Umar, this is wrong belief, but it is not kufr. It is not kufr. We say that they deviated in that point, but we don't say they are out of Islam. But if they said he is divine, that he is a god, then this is different, this is kufr. So according to their beliefs, the ruling or judgment concerning them is accordingly. And as we said hundreds of times, and I will continue to say it so that there will be no misunderstanding, it is not the right of any of us to declare the kufr of an individual. But this should be done by the scholars. After examining the case of that individual, and seeing, did they say or do what they did out of ignorance, or out of compulsion, or for some other reason? Or they did it knowingly, after the proofs were presented to them, and they know that this is against the Qur'an and Sunnah, and they insisted in their action of kufr, or in their statement of kufr, or in their belief of kufr, then the scholars, after presenting the proofs, and establishing the fact that these people know that this is kufr, and they insist in following it, then they would declare them to be kafirs. But it is not our right to say that this person, I heard him say such and such and so and so, therefore he is a kafir. But we can say that whoever says a statement of kufr, then whoever says a statement of kufr is a kafir. Whoever does an action of kufr is a kafir. That's general. But we don't take a particular individual and say, yes, okay, then he, that one there, he is a kafir because I heard him say such and such and so and so. Do you understand? Is it clear? Yeah, and the ruling of a statement or action that it is a statement of kufr, we can say by evidence from Quran and Sunnah. But we will not apply it to an individual until we are sure that that person knows that what they are saying is disbelief or that what they are doing is disbelief. Giving them proofs and evidence and being sure that they are not confused. Perhaps they may, even when we give them proof, they may be confused. Sincerely, they may say, I don't understand it like that. That's different. This is a shubha, which means that we would refrain from declaring their kufr. We would refrain from declaring their kufr. But if it became clear that they know that this what they are doing or saying is kufr, then the scholars would declare them to be kafirs as they did with some groups, such as the Qadianis who said that Ghulam uh, Ahmed, that he is a prophet after Muhammad wasallam. Then they were declared to be kafirs for this belief. And not only that, but also other contemporary people such as the nation of Islam, so-called nation of Islam in America, who said that there was a man who was born in 1877, uh, that his, his name is Master Farad Muhammad, and he came to America as a human being. He was actually God. He was the divine supreme being. This is kufr. These people are kafirs for sure. If they believe that, this is kufr. But if any one of them came to us now and said so, we won't say, you are a kafir. We will first explain to him that what he is saying is against the Qur'an. That is not confirmed in the Qur'an nor in the Sunnah. And that this statement is disbelief. And we will show him and clarify for him. So that he will come to know that what he is saying is disbelief. If he says, even though the Qur'an says that, even though the Prophet ﷺ said that, I don't accept it. I still say that this man is divine, he is a god. Okay, then he is a kafir then he will, it is clear, the ruling concerning him. In any case, we should not engage ourselves and busy ourselves 
with declaring people to be kafirs. <laughs> the purpose of this discussion is not so that we will equip ourselves and qualify ourselves so we can say someone is a kafir. But the purpose is for us to know what is kufr, so we will avoid it. And we will help people to avoid it. Not so that we can declare people kafirs. But in order to avoid it, ourselves, and to try to help others to avoid it. This is really the purpose. Declaring the kufr of anyone, this is not uh, the, any actions that we should engage ourselves in. We can leave this to the scholars, the people who are qualified to do so. Okay. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Jazakumullahu khairan.